knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hello, and welcome to another RSO podcast. Great to be here and glad to have you folks. Say I've got another stack of questions off of, uh, I guess, Facebook and our Ron Spomer Outdoors YouTube. But this is the first time I'm seeing these questions, so I can't promise you I'm going to have the right answers, but I will try. This is from Paul C. via YouTube, and he says, After the age of the short magnums and the ultra-long uber big magnums, I prayed for deliverance. But instead of a resurgence of the 65 by 55 Swede, I got a 65 Creedmoor. Okay, it's a great cartridge, but really, we needed a new one? Well, on the other hand, when will the 22 Savage High Power make a comeback? <laughs> I think Paul's messing with us here, folks. But listen, Paul, I don't think the Savage is going to make a comeback. But I'm glad you brought it up. The 22 Savage High Power is an interesting little cartridge. It was one of the early fast 22 center fires. And I'm not remembering exactly when it came out. Somewhere around 1906 to 1912 range. But I do remember that it was really hyped. We talk these days about all the hyping of cartridges and what a crazy thing this is, and we're getting sick of it. But this has been going on for a long time because back in the high power days, this little 22, which uh, it might have reached 3,000 feet per second with a really light bullet, um, I think they had some 60 grain bullets in there, but they were touting it as suitable for tigers in India. <laughs> Yeah, tigers. But that it actually worked. Over in India at that time, they were having all these man-eating tigers. And the uh, British authorities, some military guy over there, was charged in certain districts with taking care of these problem animals that were eating villagers left and right. Um, and some of them, or at least one of them, tried a 22 Savage High Power and took a tiger. So, of course, Savage, not being too stupid, decided this would make a great advertisement. And I can remember some of the old ads, not that I was around in uh, 1912, but I saw the the reprints of them. And sure enough, there's a guy behind a tiger, and he's got a Savage. I think he was a Model 99, lever action, chambered for that little 22. Now, something unusual about this was it's not a 224 bullet. All of our 22 center fires these days use a bullet that is 0.224 inch diameter. That one was 0.228, so it was a little bit larger diameter bullet. And that's part of the reason it's not going to come back. That plus it's been superseded by the 222 Remington, uh, 223 Remington, and all the other hot center fire 22s we have now. <laughs> but yeah, interesting little cartridge. And they also called it the 22 Imp. So if you ever hear 22 Imp, that's the same as the high power. Robert F. on YouTube. Now, here's a topic for you, Mr. Spomer. The best wildcat ever. 
How subjected is how subjective is that can of worms? Lots of laughs. My vote, this is his Robert's vote, is six point five out six improved, or the thirty five Whelan uh, that he yearned for as a teenager before Re- Remington legitimized it. Well, that's uh, aging you right there, Robert. We know you're not born yesterday. <laughs> Ah, when did 35 Whalen come out by Remington? Was that in the 1980s? I believe it was. So you might not be that old. But you like the 6.5 on 6 improved. Okay. That is a Wildcat that did so well that it became, except for the improved part, a commercial cartridge. We now have a Sammy Spec 6.5 on 6. And it's not super popular, but it is a darned effective cartridge. Now, to mean improved, what you're talking about is sharpening that shoulder to 40 degrees. This is something that, well, I think I have his book right here. How do you like that? P.O. Ackley. He was a gunsmith who came up with all of these Ackley improved cartridges. That's the AI on some of these cartridges, like the 280 AI. Ackley improved. So, yeah, you take the 6.5-06, which is a 30-06 neck down to take a 0.264-inch diameter bullet. That makes it a 6.5. And then you shove that shoulder to 40 degrees, flatten it out, increases a little bit of powder space. You probably straighten the case out a little bit. Ackley generally did that. And there you go. You've got your 6.5-06. And it is a darned effective cartridge. Um, it's, oh, golly. It's about like a 6.5 PRC. Might be a smidgen faster, but they have almost the same powder volume. It's just that the new PRC is on a fat case. It's in a short action. This is a 30-06 long action case. But they go about the same velocities. The upside to the 6.5 PRC, however, is that one is designed with a long throat for those new long high BC bullets. Whereas with the 6.5-06, not so much. So you might want to have a custom barrel made on that. But... That would not be my favorite Wildcat ever. I really don't know what my favorite Wildcat would be. I would have said the 22250 when it was the 22250 Varminter or the 22 Varminter. That was around for a long, long time until Remington legitimized it in the uh, mid to late 1960s and made it the 22250 Remington. And I have just always enjoyed that as one of my favorite cartridges. So that was or would have been my, my pick for a Wildcat. I don't mess around with a lot of wildcats anymore guys it's just really not worth it in the old days the wildcats made sense because we didn't have as many cartridges as we do now but good lord with about three or six new cartridges coming out every year that's essentially doing the job that the wildcatters used to do there are plenty of options out there but it's never going to stop because guys who like to fiddle around with this stuff, you know, it's like a shade tree mechanic. You want to make a hot rod go faster, you dive in there and you start tweaking it, and there you go. Same thing happens with firearms. Guys just like to tweak around with rifles. Amateur gunsmiths at work. I'm not one of them. All right, this is from Werner C. Yeah, Werner asks, would I love your view uh, between the 375 H&H and the 375 Ruger? kind regards yeah that's a good one i have never had great luck with the 375 h and and if you've listened to some of my videos and read some of my articles on it you know this <laughs> and i have been chastised by many because the 375 h and is a revered cartridge a do-it-all african uh, dangerous game cartridge all the way down to small antelopes it's just a versatile effective cartridge and a lot of people absolutely love it but my experience with it has not been all that effective. 
um, not just me shooting it, but friends and, and even other hunters in camp. I, I just run into them and see these problems that they have. They make good shots, and I've filmed some of these shots. Perfect on-the-shoulder shot that should have just knocked that animal down, and they don't get the results that you would expect from that 375 H&H, and it's probably a bullet issue. That's what most experienced 375 H&H guys tell me. There's not that much velocity coming out of that 375 H&H. 2,500 feet per second with a 300-grain bullet, and then you put a fairly hard bullet on there, which most people think you need for dangerous game, which makes sense, but then they end up using it on a smaller antelope, and you don't get necessarily a lot of expansion. That might be the problem. Seems to make the most sense anyway. Well, at this point, we have the doorbell ringing and the grandkids coming over, so I'm going to have to stop and pick this up later. See you later. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. The uh, grandkids came over for an extended weekend, and they're all excited, and they had to see Grandpa, and I had to see them, by golly. So we got them exercised. We gathered the eggs, did a few chores, made them supper, and they're downstairs reading, so we are going to finish our questions here. Now, I was talking about the 375 H&H and explaining why it wasn't always doing what it was supposed to do for me, probably because of bullet selection. But let's go to the 375 Ruger now. That's kind of an exciting little option because what Ruger did was create a one of those shorter, fatter cartridges. Not super short and fat, but it's still the 30-06 length, the standard length cartridge in a 375. And it pretty much mimics the performance of the H&H. Might even be a little bit faster. You can generally get it to going 50 to maybe 100 feet per second faster. I used that in a Mossberg rifle up in Alaska a few years ago on a moose hunt. Unfortunately, the moose didn't go <laughs> on the same hunt that I did. So I didn't get a chance to take any game with it. But I was impressed with the way it shot. It was right around... A minute of angle, maybe a one and a quarter at the worst. So it was definitely accurate enough. And the recoil was quite manageable in that particular rifle. And I was disappointed that I didn't get to try it on game. But I think it's probably a pretty good option. So if you're looking for a 375 uh, dangerous game rifle or even using it for elk, moose, or bears, it's probably a good option in that you get to have a little bit lighter weight rifle perhaps. Um, but you don't necessarily have to have a magnum length action on a rifle to shoot that full magnum length 375 H&H cartridge. That thing has a 3.6 inch overall length. But the problem is the magazine length. Most standard length action rifles come with a magazine that is less than 3.6. And that's why you can't run the 375 in it. 375 Ruger, you could. So, yeah, both of those are great options in a 375. Uh, right now, I think I would probably go for the 375 Ruger. Thanks for the question there, Werner. This is from DaShizzle37. DaShizzle says, Ron, do you, you do some great stuff. Well, thank you, sir. Maybe once the 27 Nosler becomes a little more available, I would love to learn about it. Is that hot round worth it? Well, worth it is always in the eyes of the beholder. Um, I definitely think it is worth it if you're looking for the maximum velocity in a 27. We all know what the 270 Winchester is. 
Folks have been tuning that up now for several years. Of course, Roy Weatherby really added some velocity to that thing way back in the 1940s. I think it was around 1944, he came out with his 270 Weatherby Magnum. And that added about 300 feet per second to the 270 Winchester, maybe 400 feet per second. So that is a screamer and has always been sort of at the top of the heap. Now, a lot of people made 27s. Uh, Winchester itself came out with the... 270 WSM Winchester short magnum in 2001 but that's about 100 feet per second slower than the uh, Weatherby the 27 Nosler is as fast as or a little bit faster than so you're really topping out the 27 Nosler is the fastest 270 on the market so if you're looking for a lot more velocity which means of course more energy down range um, plus the ability to shoot some heavier bullets. The 27 Nosler is generally put, I think, in a 1 in 8 twist barrel. You might want to double check that. It might be 1 in 9, but I'm pretty sure they're putting it in a 1 in 8 inch twist barrel, which means you should be able to stabilize probably up to 165 grain bullets. Nosler has a pretty good Acubond out right now as a 165, and I think it's an Acubond long range, which is the fastest or the highest BC in that option so yeah if you're looking for longer range shooting the 27 nozzle could be it of course be aware <laughs> with that larger powder capacity in that long fat case you are also going to be looking at burning the throat out of the barrel a lot sooner that thing is not going to last for as many rounds as a 270 i mean that's just standard stuff with any cartridge the faster ones are there because they're burning more powder the more powder they burn the faster they burn the throats out in the barrels but if you're only going to be hunting big game with it, which is pretty much the reason you would get one, I don't think you're going to be shooting it so much that you're going to burn the barrel out before you're done with your big game hunting career, unless you're hunting a lot more than I've ever been able to do. All right, Drew on YouTube asks, um, can you talk about a 20-gauge slug and a Sabo and ethical range, please? You know, I cannot address this real accurately without looking at some data, although I can tell you that the 20-gauge slug gun with Sabos, which means there's a plastic skirt put around the bullet, so you're not shooting a full-diameter bullet in that 20-gauge. It's not a full-diameter slug. That means you can drive it faster because it's lighter. The skirt falls away once it's left the barrel. So you get more velocity. You generally get a higher ballistics coefficient slug in there because it's not full diameter, and they're usually a little more sharply pointed. So the whole thing suggests you're going to get more downrange performance, and that seems to be what is going on. Most slug gun hunters now are choosing to go with a 20-gauge instead of the 12 because they pretty much get sufficient performance for your typical whitetail black bear hunting in areas where you cannot use center fire rifles the 20 gauge is giving them as good a results as the 12 gauge with a lot less recoil what the ranges might be on that that obviously is going to depend on your particular gun and how accurately it shoots if you are shooting a slug gun it definitely helps to have a rifled barrel the reason that slugs have been relatively inaccurate over the years are two reasons primarily one is a lot of people just shot them in their smooth bore shotguns and you cannot spin that bullet to stabilize it so you don't get much accuracy but the other thing was that the bullets or the slugs the full diameter slugs used in those had to be made a little bit undersized because the diameters of the 
20-gauge barrels or 12-gauge, any of the shotguns, they really weren't all that precise from gun to gun. And it was difficult to get a, a bullet that would fit all of them perfectly. So rather than get one that was too large and might cause some overexpansion and too much pressure, they went a little bit undersized. That way they would be safe. But boy, that didn't do anything for accuracy. So now with these plastic Sabo skirts and stuff around the bullet, you can fill in that space quite nicely. And if you have a rifle barrel or even a rifled choke tube, it's going to help a lot. Going to stabilize that slug. So you can go pretty far, a lot further than you could in the old days. Used to be 100 yards was extreme range for a slug. But now I think I've heard of guys that are going out as much as 150, even 200 yards. It'll all depend on your gun and how well it shoots. But I think the slug has more than enough energy to do the job once it gets there. All right, and here's one from Mark C. Ron, please do a segment on the new RPM from Weatherby. I've seen where they have just announced a 338 RPM that they can use in their six-lug action and have a rifle weight under five pounds. I'm not so sure I'd want to shoot a 338 RPM at an under five-pound rifle. <laughs> well, I'm half joking because I do love ultralight rifles. A lot of my big game hunting has been up in the wilderness mountains over the years, and I've used rifles as light as three pounds, 10 ounces naked. By the time I got them all scoped up and stuffed with cartridges and ready to go, they were closer to five pounds. But still, that is an awfully lightweight rifle. And I've shot them in cartridges as heavy as a 300 WSM. And my shoulder's still here. <laughs> so I think it, it could work. I have not read any data yet on that 338 RPM, but I'm imagining they took the 6.5 RPM and they just necked it up to 338. So that should give you a little more velocity than the 338.6. Um, and that is an awfully effective cartridge. I think that is just a, probably the ideal bullet to stick on the 30.6 case for efficiency. You can really maximize your performance with that particular load. So the RPM being a little bit fatter case with a rebated rim, it's the uh, 284 Winchester case which is the first U.S. manufactured case with a rebated rim. So the body diameter on that thing is a half inch, 0 0.500. And that's where it gets its powder capacity. But the 284 Winchester was a short action case. The RPM took that case and stretched it out to 30-06 length. So you've got a standard length case, fatter, and you're going to get a lot more powder in there. So you're going to get your velocities up. So yeah, that should be a pretty effective cartridge and it's going to have less recoil, I imagine, than the 338 Win Mag. But I am going to be interested in getting some data on this and just seeing how close it comes. I'm going to say it's probably falling between the 338.6 and the 338 Win Mag. Um, but who knows? It might get up. Nah, it can't possibly. Well, maybe it could get up to the performance of the 340 Weatherby Magnum. That is one of the belted Magnums that's been around for quite a while, and it is, well, it's for a long time has been the fastest 338, but now that you've got the Lapua and the 338 Rum and all these monster cartridges, those might be a little much for us. So, yeah, if you're interested in the 338, I think the RPM will be worth looking at. We'll definitely do that in the coming year, and we might be able to do a report on it and maybe even get a gun and do some shooting for you. So those are the questions for today, and thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. We are going to be spending some time with the grandkids and maybe pulling them into some videos. I don't know. I'm going to talk to their mom and see if she's going to let me do it, but I think it might be kind of fun to do some 
instruction with the BB guns and start these kids in learning gun safety. Something we, I think, as responsible parents and grandparents should be teaching our children. Uh, safe gun handling is very important. So we might just scratch our heads and see if we can't come up with something worthwhile on that. Uh, until uh, next time we meet, this is Ron Spomer thanking you for listening in and watching if you're on YouTube on Honest and Shoot Straight. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.